This Rise and Shine podcast series has been made possible by the generosity of the Zeitelman Family Foundation, which is committed to the unity and continuity of the Jewish people through meaningful and relevant Jewish education and wisdom. In these days of immediate cancellation, we seem less and less able to do full research and gain perspective. And that's because the algorithm of our digital lives feeds us back exactly what we're looking for which is generally a position that is identical to our own. This is Rise and Shine, a podcast that offers timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations to fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. Here is Adrian Gold Davis. You know, lately, I've been thinking about the newest form of social censure that we call cancel culture. It's a new version of the traditional public pillory or shaming. Social media and the speed of global news and views have made it the punishment of choice and made us all into judge and jury. And I've wondered, how does Judaism feel about this? Is there a place for the full cancellation of another human being? And what constitutes its application? Have we finally brought all that private shame and disgusting power abuse into the light? Or how have we somehow missed the mark spiritually and socially? You know, in The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness, and Peace, Jack Cornfield describes an African forgiveness ritual. He says, In the Babemba tribe of South Africa, when a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly, he's placed in the center of the village alone and unfettered. All work ceases, and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused, one at a time, each recalling the good things the person in the center of circle has done in his lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All his positive attributes, good deeds, strengths, and kindnesses are carefully recited and at length. This tribal ceremony can last for several days. At the end, the tribal circle is broken. A joyous celebration takes place, and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe. I am asking... Can all people be rehabilitated through positive punishments? Or is there a place for the shaming and cancellation to prevent further damages? So, where might cancel culture be at odds with Judaism? You know, we place a high value on teshuvah, which is repentance. While violations today are broadcast across various platforms— those who have been canceled are rarely given a chance to apologize or make amends. This inability to be forgiven, writes Jonathan Krasner, is antithetical to Judaism's ideas of tshuva. He writes that tshuva is an opportunity to right whatever wrong. But in cancel culture, there's no repentance. You're blacklisted, and that's it. President Obama famously criticized cancel culture as he said little more than a feel-good measure to boost the egos of those joyously engaged in self-righteous condemnation. Whoa! Obama denounced the propensity to catch others in a mistake and then, and I quote, 
sitting back and feeling pretty good about myself because I called you out. Shutting down opposing views or being overly critical and judgmental is not a mark of true activism, Obama said. The world is messy. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws, he said. But when is enough enough? How do we draw the line between the belief in personal transformation and danger to society? Is this not why we have judges and juries? Or is the court of public opinion the final say in someone's life, their career, their family? Of course, Judaism also has an extreme mechanism of canceling. It's excommunication, or in Hebrew, it's called cherem. And it's allowed individuals to be sent away from the community for straying too far radically from societal norms. The 17th century philosopher Baruch Spinoza was excommunicated by the Amsterdam Portuguese Jewish community for what they called abominable heresies. And Brandeis sociologist Sylvia Barak Fishman wrote that the phase Yemachshamo, which means blot out their name, is an expression that is traditionally used for the Nazis. So when something is a moral monstrosity, that's when one cancels it. Even then, Jewish tradition usually stops just shy of complete cancellation, she adds. The Torah commands us to blot out the memory of Amalek. The Amalekites, who were descendants of Amalek, were an ancient biblical nation that lived near the land of Canaan. They were the first nation to attack the Jewish people after the exodus from Egypt, and they are seen as the archetypal enemy of the Jews. They attacked from behind. They were fearless of God and man. They were brazen and cruel. But Fishman goes on to say that that same verse instructs us to not forget. Even then, Jewish tradition usually stops just shy of complete cancellation, she adds. And anyone who's been to hear the Megillah at Purim knows we're supposed to stomp our feet and shake our noisemakers and blot out the sound of the name of Haman, who was the great enemy of the Jews. So, which is it? In his New York Times article, writer David Wolfe said the following, There will always be things we cannot fully forgive and people who do not deserve to be restored to a good reputation. And forgiving someone doesn't necessarily mean readmitting that person to your life. In most cases, however, Jewish teachings insist that fair judgment does not require damnation. Judaism, like many other world religions, maintains that human beings are capable of transformation. For example, one of the figures of the Talmud, named Reish Lakish, began as a bandit and became one of the greatest rabbis of his age. His conversion was fueled by the belief of another rabbi, Yochanan, who saw potential in him. The more we believe in judging by potential, that what people do is not the sum of who they can be, the more likely we are to create a society that can help people move past shame. My main concern in these days of immediate cancellation is that as people, we seem less and less able to do full research and gain perspective. And that's because the algorithm of our digital lives feeds us back exactly what we're looking for, which is generally a position that is identical to our own. 
You know, the Talmud records both opinions in contentious matters, even while ruling on the answer. If we cannot clearly hear the other or give someone due process before killing them off entirely, how nuanced and intelligent will we grow as a society? We will not grow. We will stagnate. We will regress. This week, can you commit to thoroughly and unbiasedly learning both sides of any issue before you make a final decision on where you hold on it? Can you refrain from posting often unsubstantiated claims on social media? Can you believe that many people might actually be redeemable? Because if we don't, then it only stands to reason that we can come to be canceled ourselves if we have an unpopular point of view. Abraham, our father, was called Avraham Ha'ivri, Abraham on the other side. And of course, Ha'ivri is where Ivrit comes from, the Jew. Because sometimes we too stand alone and are on the other side. Avraham was the only one who wanted to cancel the pagan, idolatrous culture of his era. And as it turned out, he was absolutely right. And we, well, we are his children. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Adrian again next time for more timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations that fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. This podcast was sponsored by the Zeitelman Family Foundation. Spread the wisdom. Inspire Jewish individuals around the globe by supporting Momentum's podcasts. To sponsor, contact podcast at MomentumUnlimited.org. You're listening to a Momentum podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.